Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot him in the head. That's a sure way to kill him. If you don't get yourself a club or a torch, beat them or burn them, they go up pretty easy. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bathroom. Yeah. So that's did, all right. So did the clash. That's one. That's one way to make yeah. our podcast sound more sleazy is to have it sound like it was <laughs> <laughs> in the bathroom, or as they would say in England, the loo. Is that would that be our appropriate? Yes, that's what we say. Yes. All right. All the time. Well, I, I want to be clear. I want to be clear on that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast, where we talk about horror movies of the past and present. We are your hosts. I'm Richard. With me are Will. Hello. And Jolien. Hello. And we have a guest with us today, Luke. Welcome, Luke. Thanks. And um, we're going to waste very little of this time talking about what we've seen since last time because we do that. Um, so let's jump off with the spoiler warning that when we talk about a movie or a TV show... And it will be spoiled. It will be. We're going to ruin it. And I'm sorry, Luke, if you haven't seen this stuff and want to. <laughs> hopefully it'll get really confusing and you'll forget what we send said. Send it. Send it. Okay. Uh, we are not film critics, so we're not trying to be. So if we if we sound critical of something, well, that's just how it happens to go sometimes. Um, thank you to the Moonrays for their intro creature features at the top of the show. You can find them at themoon-rays.com or buy their music on iTunes or Amazon. So, Julian, what have you watched since we did this last? Uh, I've just been drawing mutant turtles all the time. <laughs> My hand is just cramped. <laughs> been clamped around a brush for you know all day, every day. Oh. So, for anybody who's just jumped into this episode, tell us why you were drawing so many mutant ninja, ninja turtles. Oh, doesn't everyone? Uh, uh, <laughs> I do. I'm uh, assisting drawing uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles with uh, Zach Howard for IDW. And Zach, some of the listeners may know from the Shaun of the Dead comic books. Yes. Which is pretty cool. And we'll have him on sometime and talk about his expertise on that particular horror comedy. Mm -hmm. Anything else um, happening or is that pretty much it? You're in a basement drawing turtles. Yep. Yeah, well, you That's live in, my life. You live in the dream, man. <laughs> Luke, <laughs> Luke, have you watched any cool movies in the last week? We'll, we'll get you in on this conversation. Uh, no, not, uh, the last one I watched was uh, Bridge of Spies, and that oh, was on okay. the airplane back oh. from overseas, but that was pretty good. Yeah, you've been traveling a lot lately. Yep. You travel a lot in general, don't you? I do. Yeah. You do anything good with those frequent flyer miles? Uh, I actually have about half a million saved up. <laughs> you can so, go to the moon. <laughs> yeah, at some point I'll, uh, I'll cash in on them, but for the time being it's just upgrades. Oh, well, that's cool. So you could fly first class. Definitely, yeah. Bring me the champagne, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's always a bit uh, bit nerve-wracking for whoever's sitting next to me because they think they're going to sit next to someone posh and then I show up. So. Oh, man, <laughs> yeah. what a rip-off. <laughs> How about you, Will? Have you watched anything good? Uh, last thing I watched was a interesting little movie called The Best Offer. What is that? Which is a... Uh, Jeffrey Rush plays a auctioneer for... Uh, like a high-end uh, 
auction house Sotheby's or something. So he doesn't have to talk as fast? No. Okay. Uh, I was hoping he would, but no, he doesn't. And he and his friend Donald Sutherland have a little con <laughs> where uh, he he will misrepresent the paintings so their bids aren't as high and his friend bids on them, gets the high bid, and then he collects them and puts them in his vault. And he has this amazing room in his house that's just full of portraits of women. And he gets roped into an appraisal and I won't ruin I actually won't ruin this film. <laughs> Although when you watch it it's it's fairly predictable and I don't think I would have liked a movie like that. I've seen some others that uh, you know, the the long con is just too convoluted. But this one worked. I enjoyed the characters and um, it was just interesting enough. It was just odd enough to make it work. It's on Netflix. Oh, cool. I picked it because it looked like it was the little icon they have. It, it looked like it was made in about 1973. <laughs> but when you pull it up, it's 2013. It's You're like, oh, okay. We can decide what to watch. We picked it. That's awesome. The last yeah. Donald Sutherland film I saw was a Kentucky Fried Movie, where he plays the clumsy waiter. Wow, that's a long time ago. <laughs> I think I watched, um, I started the rewatch of uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which oh, okay. he was pretty young. He, it's weird. You go back and you watch anything early from him, he looks like his son. Yeah. Oh, it's Kiefer with he, weird he was, hair. He was in uh, an Italian horror movie before that. Wasn't oh, he? that's right. He was. I heard. In uh, the early 70s. Yeah. I heard someone. I think I think um, Werewolf Ambulance talked about that one. Okay. I forget what it's called. Uh, me too. But, you know, we'll figure that out. And I won't bother putting it in the show notes. No, nah, no. Nah. Google. You've heard of it. <laughs> uh, since last time, I saw that um, biopic. Actually, no. It was more of a documentary about Amy Winehouse. Okay. And... Uh, I, I was sort of under the misconception that she had someone who was sort of like, oh, yeah, uh, let's let's go with that Phil Spector sound. Let's do a, um, you know, let's do sort of a Motown sort of jazz thing, but sort of a Motown thing. And, and no, it turns out that she was very much an expert in that sound from the time she was a child. And she was very gifted, which I did know. She's a very gifted singer, but... Um, most people just know, oh, she was really good, and then she was tragic, and then she was dead. Mm. But there's a lot more to the story, and it's very interesting. So, um, you know, she was very responsible for a lot of her own sound. And there's, you know, the, the, the tragic story, and everyone knows it, but it was a cool movie. It was a good documentary. And uh, we watched more of The Man in the High Tower. Okay. His tower, right? High Castle. Castle. Damn it, I knew I was going to say it wrong, and then I was like, no, I'm going to... and I said the wrong thing anyway anyway yeah what if what if the uh, nazis had taken over um and basically uh got everything from the east coast to the rockies and japan got the west coast to the rockies and that's kind of the neutral zone the rocky mountains pretty interesting philip k dick story yes um who who was kind enough to give us the book that blade runner was based on Uh uh-huh and minority report yeah all this stuff Um, that some great ideas scanner oh, darkly speaking of philip k dick and his stuff um it, it was the activation date of pris from yes. from blade runner <laughs> yeah i saw valentine's that. day yeah valentine's day just yesterday as we record this so uh yeah so we had uh so so you've you've 
come onto this podcast show and he found that we're all nerds. It must be a shock. <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about right now. <laughs> well, by virtue of the fact that you're much younger than me, I don't expect you to have heard of half of these movies, so um, I won't I won't bother you with too many details uh, or expect you, like, oh, how do you not know that one? No, no, if it's, if it's no. anything outside of Anchorman, you guys are going to be t- shit out of luck. <laughs> well, here's the good thing, um, and now we're going to clue our listeners in. Uh, Luke is a Green Beret, and uh, tell us basically what that means when someone goes, um, he's a ranger or, or special forces or, or green beret. Tell us what do those terms mean? Uh, how did you get to where you are? Sure. So, uh, the common term that you'll hear is either special forces or special operations forces. Special operations forces is kind of an overarching term for like Navy SEAL, green beret, ranger, uh, pararescue, et cetera, et cetera. It just means that you're in some sort of special operations range. Special forces means that you're a Green Beret. So special forces and Green Beret are the same thing. Okay. Uh, the difference between special forces and the other uh, different special operations are that special forces are trained primarily in guerrilla warfare um, and unconventional warfare. So uh, in our training, we go through a guerrilla warfare training phase. We go through... Um, a, a lot of more unconventional type training. Rangers tend to be more of a infantry shock troop. Uh, they are more specialized in direct action um, and aggressive assault. Navy okay. SEALs are really good at water stuff and writing books. Um, there's a <laughs> <laughs> They'll get underneath the boat and yeah, do right? something to it. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. So uh, our big thing, though, is uh, typically uh, our primary focus is they'll send us into uh, some nation, whether it be friendly or not so friendly, um, and we train, equip, and advise a foreign entity, whether that be a actual military or a de facto military um, or a guerrilla force, and then we use that force to essentially complete whatever task the United States has in mind. Right. So in training for guerrilla warfare, it's not just how to enact these tactics and these um, methods of battle, but also to understand the enemy. Is that correct? Understand what they're trying to do to you? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, our big training comes for, we have a couple different phases of training. Um, but once we get done with all our individual training where you get specialized in whatever your specific skill set is on the team they essentially put you into this place called pineland and pineland is a fictitious country in uh char or excuse me in uh, north carolina and in this country they create this entire scenario where you go in you meet up with a guerrilla force you train that guerrilla force and then with that guerrilla force you start to disrupt uh the oppressive government of pineland and essentially try to take it over um and you know through this exercise you essentially learn how to run forces you understand uh what they're going to what issues you will run into overseas and then you understand how uh to lead them against whatever government you're trying to go against so a lot of intel uh, a lot of sabotage type missions a lot of uh disrupting and then a lot of uh, nation building as well now um what you've told me before was that you had some uh, special survival schools as well Mm -hmm. So tell us a little about that. Like what, what did you learn um, in 
the initial one that you went to? Sure. So uh, every special forces guy goes through what's called SEER school, and that stands for Survival, Escape, Resistance, and Evasion. Uh, and that's a three-week school where essentially they're teaching you how to um, evade from the enemy, uh, survive off the land, and then if you do get captured, um, how to resist while you're in capture or in, in captivity. Um, so that's pretty much the primary goal of the school is to get you prepared for that worst case scenario. Okay. And, uh, now do you sometimes have other special schools that you go to, uh, due to something you're going to specialize in, for example, uh, explosives or, um, snipers have a special sniper school? Sure. Yeah. So, uh, once you get trained up, uh, you go through initial specialty school. So mine was explosives. So I did three months of explosives training. Um, you have all your fingers. I do. I do. My ears don't work so well, but all the fingers are there. Um, we can turn your volume up too. Yeah. <laughs> I need it. Um, no, so we'll go through advanced breaching schools, sniper schools, uh, language school. Everybody gets a language. So my, what was yours? Uh, first language was Indonesian. Second language was French. Um, but uh, after that, they'll send to advanced intel schools. Um, I mean, they'll send guys to mule packing schools. They'll send wow. you to the some of the weirdest schools that you've ever imagined. But um, it's all in preparation for you know whatever mission you have coming up. Uh, I've heard of guys going to horse riding schools because they went into Afghanistan and rode horses. So. Oh, interesting. Now, as you can imagine, and as I probably mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about the fictitious scenarios, you know, from the movies that we enjoy and the TV shows. Sure. And uh, I don't think it's too much to say that somebody who's a member of Taliban uh, forces is probably scarier than a zombie. The, the zombies we've seen. Like, I thought about this today while I was at work. Like, if I had a choice between a hundred of these Taliban guys showing up in my zip code, or say five hundred or a thousand shambling zombies, mm. uh, the fast-moving zombies might be another story. I think I might go for the zombies. I mean, they might be Definitely. more. You what know. about what about Taliban zombies? Oh shit! <laughs> That's what I was just gonna say. Would they bring their goats, or would it just be? Yeah. I've not seen it, but there was a movie where they had like a zombie army under Osama bin Laden. Oh shit! Oh, I forget what it's called. Yeah. That, that's pretty, that's it's pretty. called it's called the Afghan army. It's, it's, it's a real scenario. <laughs> now you've been deployed to Afghanistan multiple times. Uh, yeah, Afghanistan, Iraq, and and multiple other countries. So. Yeah, um, these are scary people. The the people who you are uh, facing off with, or not even facing off, like you don't see them. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're certainly um, it the, uh, the Taliban. I wouldn't say are as uh, bad as the Iraqis. Iraqis were, in my opinion, were definitely a better uh, opposition force, but they're, they're definitely a it's, a, it's a, it's a tough enemy, mainly because you usually don't know who the enemy is. Um, they're not as rational as we might be, so it's kind of difficult to gauge the enemy and plan against the enemy. Um, and now with the influx of ISIS, that's kind of like a whole new ball game. Oh yeah, it it seems like things have really gone off the rails with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, who who knew that was going to be a thing? Yeah, yeah, really escalated <laughs> quickly. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is going to get worse. Are you kidding me right now? 
So, yeah, we're talking about very frightening people. But, you know, whenever you see these these stories about um, things that have happened in times of war, I always I don't think of them as being the badass. I think of our guys as being the badass. It's just an unfortunate scene to be in, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, they're I hate to say it, but it's they're they're savages, you know, and and, and I know that's a pretty uh, bad overarching term. But, you know, it's really uh, again, it's a you will see stuff over there that you would never uh, expect to see in uh, reality. You know, it's Mm. you see things you just like, I can't I can't believe I'm literally looking at this right now. Just a surreal environment. It is. Wow. Absolutely. So. That is probably a good segue into into talking a little bit about like the surreal uh, situations of of these movies we talk about. Now, we had discussed maybe showing you some scenes from some movies, but it but I thought you know really when it comes down to it, um, you're going to know without us giving you a, an actual visual picture. Like say for example, we were to talk about Night of the Living Dead. So have you seen movies like Night of the Living Dead? Uh, I, I don't know. Which, and, yeah. I think I've heard Sean. I, I might have seen Shaun of the Dead, but okay. it was a long time ago if I have. That's yeah. the one where they end up holed up in the pub? Maybe not. Okay. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> one of these wires is making a noise. Yeah, I'm going to try and tighten that up. So here's the thing is when we when we talk about the the uh, the other that is attacking or that is lurking and, and lying in wait, um, I would say that if we were to talk about the shambling zombies, you know, they're, they're walking at you or they're maybe coming around a corner unexpectedly and they're kind of mindless and they're kind of, you know, just trying to bite you and maybe, you know, eat you. That's, sure, that's, sure. that's their motivation. Okay. Is they're like a shark. They just keep moving and they want to eat. That's the scene. Um, when we talk about, um, Night of the Living Dead. The scene is basically there are some people holed up in a farmhouse. Okay. And there's a big argument about whether the cellar is more safe or the main floor. And they don't really talk much about whether to dwell on the upper floor. I don't know why that's not a thing. Uh, If you were in a situation where there was a front door and a back door and a porch halfway around the house, there's a cellar, no real windows to escape from, just one door in, stairs down. You got stairs going up. Uh, what would when you show up in this house and you're able to get the door shut behind you and the shambling zombies aren't in the house with you that you know of? Mm-hmm. Where would you want to be in this house? Man, that's that's a tough question. I mean, that, I think that uh, it's going to be dependent on what sort of uh, defense apparatus I have. Is do I have a shotgun or a, a rifle or a pistol or nothing? They, they or have one axe. rifle. They had they? one rifle. They, they find yeah. a rifle. They have access to nails and boards. Yeah. They're not extremely okay. handy with them. So you're able to board up. There okay. is a rifle. Well, I mean, typically, traditionally, you want to have some sort of uh, single funnel point. So anytime we have any sort of uh, combat scenario, you always want to have some sort of channeling point for the enemy, right? So uh, if I do have a small force, I want to make it so that I'm, uh, I personally am in the path of least resistance. Um, so, you know, I wouldn't want to be probably on the first floor because I have too many entry points. If I only have one rifle, then that's going to be pretty difficult to, uh, hit multiple entry points. Probably the cellar is going to be a bit better because I could funnel the zombies into, you know, one area. Um, but 
without knowing, I mean, I could certainly see the seller becoming an issue because you're probably going to stack bodies pretty quick. And, <laughs> and uh, if the house catches fire, <laughs> sure, that could be a problem. I mean, honestly, I wouldn't be in the house to begin with. Right. Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. So let's suppose that you're that that you're you're at a cemetery. Okay. Um, and the zombie attacks one zombie. It's like this is terrible. Got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Something happens with the car. You can't use the car. You're on foot. You see the farmhouse. You just keep going. What are you looking for? I, I would just, I would marathon it. I mean, if these guys are like slow moving mm-hmm. entities, right? I mean, I, I know I can run 15 yeah. to 20 miles. So okay. I just start out running them. Uh, that's what happens in the remake. Like they, they remade this movie in 1990 and they had this like uh, feisty character and uh, the, the men are having the same old argument about, should we go in the basement? Should we stay on the first floor? And, and she goes, look, they're all slow moving. Let's just run between them and head for the city. There you go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what she ends up doing. Yeah, she gets away. And she has yeah. a pistol in the in the remake. And mm. she very rarely uses yeah, it. Yeah, she doesn't Only even when bother. Necessary. Because, yeah, it's not, it doesn't matter to mm-hmm. stop and kill each one. You just keep moving. Mm-hmm. So to hell with the farmhouse. Yeah. We have our answer. Is that one done? <laughs> that one. Should we do the uh, sequel? The sequel. Okay, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the sequel. <laughs> so the sequel was called Dawn of the Dead. It came out 10 years later, so 1978. Mm-hmm. And in, in this one, you've got a couple of... Uh, what, what are they? They're SWAT, are they? I believe they are, yeah. So there's a couple of SWAT guys. There's a guy who, who has... He's a pilot of a helicopter. And then there's a, his reporter girlfriend... And these four people get together in this chopper, and they head out of Pittsburgh, and uh, they see a, uh, you call it a shopping mall, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And they land on the roof, and uh, they they think they're going to just, like, raid the supplies, and then get the hell out of there and go somewhere. I don't know what the, what, what is it? They're going for an island? They're, yeah, they want an island. Uh, but then they, they figure, hey, let's uh, block all the doors with the trucks in the in the parking lot kill all the zombies that are inside or, or you know, kill them stop mm. them and um, <laughs> re-kill them <laughs> and then uh, and then we've got the whole shopping mall to ourselves and you know, it runs off the nuclear power and so it's going to run for a, a long long time so they make a home for themselves is that a pretty good idea or <laughs> yeah what do you know i mean I, I think the island seems a bit better <laughs> yeah you know, again I, I always look at uh you know horror movies or things like that and it always seems like they look around and they say, okay, what is the worst place that we could put ourselves? And then we do it. Like, you know, the chick's getting attacked and she's like, I know where to go. I'm going to go upstairs where there's no exits. And yeah, let them kill right. me up yeah, there. Yeah. So, um, you know, I feel like in that scenario, yeah, it's a, it's a good idea. But, you know, if you go into a mall, the, eventually you're run out of food. There's mm-hmm. only so much food in a mall and it's probably perishable goods. And, you know, pretty soon you're going to be getting drunk off of cologne because that's right. all that's left in the mall so. <laughs> oh man that's <laughs> horrible <laughs> pretty much what um, happens isn't it, <laughs> I think it is. actually happens in the middle east quite a bit but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyways it, you know it's uh I, I would say it's one of those things where uh it, you know again if if just going to that more of a seer type scenario you, you know if you're going to hole up somewhere you want to hole up somewhere that's going to give you long lasting supplies that's away from the enemy that's off the beaten path uh, that's kind of your good pull-up spot, um, you know. So I think their idea to get provisions and then leave and go to an mm-hmm. island would be great. On an yeah. island, at least you can fish, and if there's some sort of fresh water source, then you might actually be good for a while. 
So the, the, the best idea there would be to raid the uh, sporting goods store, get the best fishing equipment. Absolutely. And some other mm-hmm. good survival items. Yeah, you items. could get some nice supplies there. Yeah. Now, let's, uh, let's circle back around for just a moment. Now, the farmhouse, suppose for whatever reason you stopped in at the farmhouse and there was sure. no rifle. What are some good improvised munitions? What are some good weapons <laughs> Weapons you could fashion from what you might find around the house and the garage uh, or the barn or what have you? Well, without getting into too much stuff on like homemade explosives that would cause the ATF to come and knock at my door. <laughs> right. um, Remember, the zombie, these, these creatures, uh, you have to get them in the brain. Yeah. That's their weak point. That's okay. the only way to switch stop off their them. brain. Do they burn? They burn. They burn, yeah. but they, if you cut off their head or, uh, or uh, poke them through the eye, get them with a, you know, cut, uh, they get them with various implements in their head, and yeah, and that stops. Yeah, whatever turns off the brain so gets them. chopping off the head. Mm-hmm. My go-to answer for any monster. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, anyone I've Isn't fought. Isn't it not? <laughs> like you know, <laughs> if you've got a Dracula or a Frankenstein, cut the head off. Yeah. It's probably yeah. going to stop it. Absolutely. If it doesn't. Then you got real problems. Yeah. Then, yeah. then that's your sequel. Uh, <laughs> um. <laughs> you got to leave it open for a sequel. So what uh, are some improvised weapons now? And in, in, I know that they made the anarchist cookbook illegal a long time ago. Yep. yep. Uh, I knew a guy, again, by virtue of my age, I knew a guy when I was uh, in my late teens, early 20s, who had a copy of that book. And holy crap, there was some crazy stuff you could make. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's funny, the, the actual current edition, which is available on Amazon, <laughs> um, they leave out key steps into actually how to how to make it. So if you ever actually try to make the anarchist cookbook, cookbook that's you know available off of Amazon, you're going to have a bad day. Oh, man. Um, so don't buy it. It's a ruse. OK. Um, or if you buy it, don't don't use it. Don't cook yeah, from don't, it. Don't cook from it. So, I mean, as far as. Uh, improvised weapons you, you know i mean there's traps traps are always a good uh, way you know i mean we had a lot of troops that actually got messed up pretty good in vietnam for the traps that the Viet Cong were setting for them oh yeah was. punchy sticks yep. yep punchy sticks absolutely that, that'd probably be a great way to do it and i don't know if you have time to build a moat or right a deep, you know a deep ditch but that would certainly be, be an excellent yeah. uh way to slow them down i'd suppose i'm sure the bodies would stack up eventually can they yeah. swim um no well, they, they just wade yeah okay. yeah they pretty much flounder so l- let me throw this one out there and tell me if i'm if if this is a good one or not sure. if you have more than one kitchen knife mm-hmm. my, my idea was always that you could take a dowel like say a closet rod a broomstick or if you just happen to have some dowel lying around sure uh some cord of whatever sort that's strong enough mm-hmm. and bind a good kitchen knife to the end of this thing and maybe some duct tape to reinforce it. You got a spear. Now you've just, got to start spearing fools, huh? You could, you, you could poke them from a, a greater distance. Is that, sure. is that a terrible idea? I, I have a feeling that your kitchen knife probably wouldn't go through a skull because um, that's a pretty it's a pretty thick. I mean, it's actually one of the thickest bones on your body. So so you need to go up under under the mandible, probably, or through the eye, or through the eye, or through yeah. the mouth. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, you you might lose it if you miss. You're gonna you know, I mean, there's our, our brains are naturally protected by a lot of bone. Right. So if you stick a kitchen knife in there, it's probably just going to get stuck and then you're going to lose your kitchen knife. That's not good. No. Okay. Um, but I mean, maybe like the, you know, the blade off of a lawnmower, you could probably. If you have a, that say, a, a, a 
broom handle or something what's stopping you from just sharpening it with a kitchen knife well that's the and idea having a spear and that's why i said more than one kitchen knife because you want to have one that you don't have to use with a stick hanging off of it if you're going to sharpen other sticks you want to make more weapons using one of your weapons that yeah. is kind of yeah. not a terrible idea right but why even take the time to to tape it on there okay. you could just sharpen the stick and yeah that's true it doesn't break i mean if it breaks off you you're not out as much i, I guess i think i don't want to find out yeah. whether this thing works well I or still not i think you should it's a bad quickly. time to figure it out right, <laughs> right. Yeah. it's like in the middle of it no that was a bad idea yeah, you, you <laughs> right just stock up yeah right now yeah. just in case i'm just gonna buy an actual spear <laughs> to hell with making well, one. I was thinking of uh, movies that fed into Night of the Living Dead because that's like that's this kind of watershed horror movie in the late sixties. This kind of history of horror movies before that and after it, and uh, so that's like a great example of the siege movie where right people are trapped in a certain location and there's a there's an army of something coming at them, <clears throat> and and before that there was like a fifties movies like. Um, uh, killer shrews and uh invisible invaders where they've got they've been attacked by various things uh and there's this uh, movie called uh the last man on earth with mm-hmm. vincent price mm-hmm. where it's uh they're called vampires but they basically behave a lot like, like the romero zombies and they, they even look like it they're all made up like it and that, that came out in 63 and uh that was based off his novel uh richard matheson's novel um i am legend mm-hmm. which came out that was a good movie. I saw that one. Yeah. Which which yeah. gave us Omega Man and then yeah, I am the, the modern yeah. I Am Legend. So yeah. basically, Night of the Living Dead is pretty closely based off I Am Legend, the, the novel. And Richard Matheson wrote the screenplay for um, Last Man on Earth, but it was cheaply made in Italy. It's not, it's not very good. But Always anyway, unfortunate. He, he's set up. So uh, so he goes out during the day and he, he, he has this, uh, he has this uh, workbench set up in his boarded up house where he can he can put in wooden chair legs and sharpen them off into stakes, and then by day he goes out and he, he like stakes as many of these vampires as he can, and then then scuttles back to his house and and turns on jazz music really loud. And then they will beat on his windows all night, and then he uh, you know he has, he tries not to go mad. So <laughs> seems like an all right idea. That this was before the invention of foam earplugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just you know to get so, that. Uh, yeah, so you, you can see a lot of influences on that. Lived in that. There's like the TV broadcasts, and right. so on like that. And again, again in uh, Invisible Invaders, which is a late '50s uh, zombie movie, um, they're they're holed up in the in a laboratory, which is probably in Bronson Canyon, but um, <laughs> is, is behind like blast shield doors, so they're pretty safe in there uh, from immediate danger and. Uh, until they figure things out, but uh, and that and again, that's got like the TV broadcast saying the recently dead are coming back, something like that. Which is never a good scene. Yeah. So, what are some good? Okay. So, my my crazy spear idea aside, what are some good weapons you could um, find or make around the house or the barn or the garage? Mm. Um. Again, I think uh, you know if we're just going into the garage, thinking about what would be available. If you had like a lawnmower, you know, I mean that lawnmower blade is pretty. Pretty stout. I was just gonna say that's a pretty good one. Yeah, you could you could definitely uh, you know I'd pad one one side up with whatever you could and then start. You've got a machete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or a blade from one of those guillotines for. Oh yeah. Paper cutting. Mm. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah, that's a that's definitely a good one. scimitar. <clears throat> and yeah. that's something we do have at work. Mm-hmm. So that's a good example. Absolutely. All you got to do is remove the nut and bolt, and you have a machete. Yeah. Yeah, I know at least one crime that a guy 
killed another guy with that. A uh, paper cutter paper blade? Paper cutter blade. Holy crap, really? Yeah. Yes, he took it off and hacked him to death with it. That's it's a solid move right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that guy was I mean, on the job that day. You, you couldn't exactly explain that away as mm. not being premeditated. He fell. Could you? Yeah. I slipped. <laughs> the, the, all the nuts came loose and it just fell into my hand and, and there I, there it was. There it was. In his skull. Um, uh, yeah, what else? Uh, I, I mean, honestly... Uh, I am a big proponent of the 22 long rifle, which I know is not making your own uh, own weapon. No, but, but if you could have one survival rifle, I would say the 22 long rifle is the best one you could have. And honestly, at the tell end us of the why. Day, well, it's uh, it's a small round, but um, I mean, you're saying that a zombie can be killed by being punched through the brain, right? right? So yeah. that'll go. 22 the, would be perfect. It'll go into the long. brain, and you can buy 22 long ammo all day Anywhere. long. Yeah, and you could buy 500 rounds at a time. You know, I mean, if you can actually find it, it's a bit difficult because everybody understands how awesome it is. But, okay. Yeah. Um, so there's a shortage of this. There is ammo oh, yeah. in particular. Oh, yeah. It's not as bad as it used to be, but it's certainly. Uh, it's there is a sh- there is a shortage, but yeah, if you could get you know, because I mean, you could buy 20,000 rounds of that, and just go to lay waste all day long and mm. not necessarily break the bank account like you would if you had a nine mil or a two two three or ah, something like that. That's useful information. Yeah. So, so the other uh, like cliche weapons of current zombie uh, TV shows and films are like crossbows and and uh, people find samurai swords all over the place. Oh sure. Which I wouldn't recommend. No, I don't think so. Well, if you're taking the head off completely and it's an actual samurai sword, they're they're extremely sharp. Yeah, you uh, could hurt yourself on it. As flexible, excellent swords, but they're they're kind of brittle. Oh, you can only get through so many. Well, oh. the, I mean, so here's here's the reality: is that chopping off someone's head is actually a lot harder than it than it oh, looks. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, um, you know, because you have you've got a lot of muscle, you've got a lot of tissue, you've got bone got the spinal cord which is in there so um you know all these films where they're just showing yeah. slicing off people and if you if you if you don't believe me go watch an execution uh yeah. you know on, wouldn't recommend uh, yeah it. off of whatever <laughs> crazy website is out there but you'll see it's actually pretty difficult to cut off somebody's head yeah because like in zombie movies like uh, zombies tend to fly apart like they're gi joes you know you just cut the elastic inside and they right yeah they just fly away it's the place. same with with stabbing them in the head you you just need a sharpened stick at the most. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's not. I mean, it's not going to work. But. You stab a guy, or you stab somebody even in the chest. You know, a lot of times you won't get your knife back because it gets caught on yeah. clothing. If it has any sort of serrated edge, so if I mean you are going to use something, don't have anything with serrated edge because that gets caught on bone, skin, clothes, whatever. Um, so it definitely does need to be some sort of. You know, if you if you have the choice, it would be more of a dagger. Um, something that's going to have more puncture. Yeah, maybe if you had like a uh, rebar mm-hmm. and you could sharpen rebar uh, somehow, you know, yeah. that, that would be a little bit more ideal than a broomstick. Oh, good. All day scraping it against the concrete. Yeah. <laughs> if you got you nothing got, to do, you man. You got time, bud. You yeah. got time. You got until the end of your life. <laughs> that's another thing that uh, you can do with a concrete uh, sidewalk or slab or whatever is, is open can goods. Uh, yeah, it just it just circles and <laughs> until it just grinds the the tin, and then you get your beans or whatever. <laughs> tin tin actually does work as an arrow, uh, an arrowhead. If you ever have, oh, uh, you can hammer it kind of into place. But yeah, it's, it's actually fairly uh, very malleable. 
Yeah, aluminum isn't really where aluminum, as you'd say. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> it's not. not He's treating you like I do. <laughs> not not as strong, but exotic um, other. Yeah, it'd really have to be some sort of like uh, titanium or steel or something like that. Right. Would probably be a little, little bit, a little bit better. Good. Good to know that one. Now, so don't make your knives out of tin foil. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. So. Now, your if your weapon of choice is as simple as the the twenty two long, then that's an easy get. Yeah, typically, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so you you don't need something on a tripod mounted on the roof of something. You can just have this, and you're a good shot, I imagine. You've gone you've gone through some special training for being able to shoot a thing from a long distance. Sure, but I mean, you know, and and the twenty two is not a long distance rifle. You know, I mean, you're going to hit people. 25 meters and in that's going to be about it but yeah you know if it's a slow moving object then you don't need to be dropping yeah dropping them 500 meters out or right anything. just let them get in range yeah yeah and, and and the reality is is you know i i don't know what this zombie scenario is going to look like but i don't want to spend the money to you know <laughs> stock twenty thousand rounds of 223 because i won't have any money right yeah yeah you don't want too big of an investment I was going to say, what's it going to look like? Oh, about a block from here, <laughs> the crackheads on the corner. It's going to look like that, only more mindless. And... Yeah, only bitier. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> maybe not, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. I, I had to um, – I didn't mention this on last podcast, but we had a, uh, a ridiculously drunk, drunk driver hit our vehicle um, when he shouldn't have gotten past the first vehicle that he hit. Uh <laughs> We've mentioned on the podcast before that this poor woman, uh, half a block from here, has uh, had her house struck four or five times, I'm not sure, by drunk drivers. And on the very same corner, a drunk driver actually hit another car instead of her house. Jeez. And then... Uh, See, she needs a moat. Yeah, she, sticks. yeah <laughs> she needs something. She needs a big rock in the yard. I think she does need like a giant boulder on the very corner and then yeah. a couple smaller boulders further in. Uh, so we, we heard the screeching of the guy's tire, which was bent in as he's trying to escape the scene after he gave his information to the guy that he hit. And of course he decides to hang a right on our street and he's fishtailing like crazy because there was a layer of ice on the street. And I just watched him literally not as if it were in slow motion, but I got to watch him in slow motion hit the side <laughs> of our vehicle and he had it to the floor. I mean, he was flooring his vehicle, spinning this way and that. And this does this does apply to the zombie thing. Um, he finally decided to stop trying to escape in the car, shut it off, and uh, was going to leave on foot. See, my, a twenty-two long rifle would have been perfect. stopped him right yeah, there, right? right? Right in that scenario, would have been excellent. Well, my neighbor, I was trying to write down his license plate number and get something going on my phone to film him or shoot a picture, and my neighbor went up and uh, stopped him. I won't say he tackled him because he kind of pretty much just put a hand on him and crumpled him to the ground. And my, my moment of quick thinking was take one of his shoes and take his car keys because he's going to be running around with one shoe on the ice with no keys to get into his apartment. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Well, Which thank you. No, that, was my, that was my genius moment of the day. Until he outthinks you and takes off his other shoes. I was so just going to say. Man. <laughs> I was thinking he was going to run in one big circle. <laughs> and then he'd come back around and I'd just clock him. <laughs> but uh, my neighbor held him to the ground and then, you know, the, the paramedics came and uh, they fooled him into sticking around until the cops came. And 
Now he's in jail. Nice. Because he's done several of these. Well, that yeah. made me there think there's another weapon right there. <laughs> the shoe? <A> car. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a big, big two-ton yeah. Yeah, there's a weapon reason you, you can run over people with. Absolutely. No, absolutely. No. As long as you don't, you know, go too many places without roads or run out of gas, I guess. Right. So uh, what, what's your weapon of choice in vehicles, Luke? What would be what would be the ideal? Uh, it's just you. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to go for everybody. I, some something with a with a brush guard on it for sure. Okay. Uh, you know, I definitely want something to push push people out of the way. You don't want too many blood and guts getting up in the yeah radiator. Yep. Because um, yeah, it smells. Yeah, it smells absolutely. Humvees <laughs> um, are good. Yeah. Those are good. Those run over people pretty well. Well, there's a reason uh, the military uh, developed the vehicle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, but it does break down a lot. It gets bad gas mileage. Mm. Um, there is that. An old Volvo. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The window's blocked up. I think it's like a tank. <laughs> Those well, cars are so heavy there. We used to have a Toyota FJ, and I saw other FJs that had this weird snorkel package that you could put on it. Ah, yes. So basically, those things could pretty much drive through several feet of water um, and keep going. So Yeah, that's... the old Volkswagen Beetle could go across streams pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't really knock too many people down unless you modified it. But there's nothing to grip onto either. So. Yeah, that could be a problem. And LBJ had a boat that was a car <laughs> and he would drive people around his ranch and then run off the road into the water mm. and scream oh my god <laughs> and freak people out and then he'd go across the pond or whatever <laughs> and dear listeners if you've never heard lbj ordering pants there's some great audio you can find online <laughs> anything he says is pretty good <laughs> oh it was it was pretty priceless yeah. when he was he called up the people who made the pants that he liked the best but he was telling him like, uh, uh, it needs a little more uh, space where the where the butthole is. He, he's usually he's using the words nutsack and butthole. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you, and this isn't me just being vulgar for the sake of vulgar. But LBJ saying butthole and nutsack is what you want in a president. That's great. That's great. <laughs> That's leadership right there. Holding <laughs> meetings in the bathroom. Hell yeah. He, he was a different kind of dude. Yeah. And then there was Harry Truman wanted to put a bunch of manure on the on the lawn of the White House because it was good fertilizer. Oh, yeah. So a lot of these presidents have had. Oh, you go back in time, but you know, Andrew Jackson's early presidents inaugural oh, was so crazy. They tore up the White House. They had to drag kegs of beer out onto yeah. the lawn like, to <laughs> get people to leave, and then they boarded up the windows, much like a zombie yeah. movie. Holy crap. If you were in the White House, what would you do? (laughs) Solid. Solid. I like it. Take take that bust of Lincoln and just wind up the clock fool with it. I imagine there has to be some sort of safe room in the White House. Oh, I'm sure there's got to be some granite vault. Some way to get, Uh, you know, out underneath. Yeah, there's your safe train or something. Yeah, if there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm going to the White House. Yeah. Yeah, why not? You got a big fence. So is is it is it better to seek higher ground in your opinion, Luke? Uh, I mean, doctrinally, yes. Yeah. You certainly want to always get the higher ground and um, you know the path of least resistance. Yeah, it's typically where where we try to put ourselves. Yeah, just again, like Barbara said in these in the 
uh, remake of Night of the Living Dead. We could walk right past these guys. Come on. Yeah. yeah and Sean in Shaun of the Dead had a cricket bat and was able to just knock some fools out of the way as he went to rescue his recently ex-girlfriend. Sean right there. Of course he's got why, do you, why do you do that? It seems like well, perfect excuse. Oh, sorry, I can't get you. <laughs> I think he's trying to win her back over. Oh, God. Yeah, because right, it was a pretty recent breakup. It was, oh. like, it was the night before. Yeah. He was really hungover. So he, he might have still been drunk. I'm not sure. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he, he goes to rescue the girlfriend and, um, consequently, the roommates and then head to a pub, um, stopping by to pick up mom and stepdad on the way. So, and that's where they switch vehicles, mm-hmm. and that would be the Jaguar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, as we discussed in our previous episode, when it's a cat, it's a Jaguar. When it's a car, it's a Jaguar. Okay. I don't know why, <laughs> but we did confirm this. I'm not. I'm not just. Yep, yep, yep. I'm, I'm not saying this just to rattle your cage. <laughs> so they get to the Winchester, which is a pub, and it's got a lot of windows. Why did they go there? Because um, there's local... a rifle provision <laughs> yeah. that they think they can use. Yes, it hangs above the bar. Peanuts and beer. Yeah, yeah. there's you the... always want some beer. They've so got to sit something out down at the pub. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best. All right, and um, there was some like they're bothering scientists about you know what what would happen if there was a zombie apocalypse, and they're saying, well, if dead people were getting up and walking around and eating people, then uh, the good news is you'd probably only have to hold out for like four days because these these things would just like friction alone would like tear them apart. They they you know they they'd all be dropping after four days. Sure. So yeah, you know if you've got a nice uh, boarded up pub, why not? You could yeah you could easily figure that a group of a dozen or less people are going to have enough beer in a pub. Mm-hmm. You're going to make it through four days or more. Yeah. So, so, I mean, do they do zombies sleep or how does that? No, they just keep yeah, walking they around. They just walk all the time, I guess. Yeah, so I think your assessment's probably right. Cause it, so we go by the rule of threes. You can spend mm-hmm. three hours in exposure. You can live three hours with exposure. Uh, you can live three days without water mm-hmm. and 30 days without food. So, I mean, right. you're right. I mean, reality is, is it's probably not going to be forever. And I mean, the walking, what is it, the... Uh, the Walking Dead, right? Right. The TV that, show. That thing's been going on for like eight seasons, yes. right? So, I mean, <laughs> probably not accurate as far as human anatomy is concerned. Actual but. physics don't apply. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but do they, if they get bit, do they turn? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's code? typically how they work. Yeah. Yeah. The, so, I, so Night of the Living Dead was the uh, was the film that began the the zombies that eat people and also pass on uh, as an infection. Uh, zombiedom so whoever they bite who can still move around becomes a zombie got it got it so holding up in the um winchester if you could board up the window somehow is not a bad move or if you could make your way to a storeroom i'd pick one of those dodgy looking bars with hardly any windows yeah over some some traditional pub yeah yeah total dive bar like the Yes. But I mean, again, why would you go to a pub pub to begin with? You know what I mean? Like if I if if the zombie apocalypse hit right now, I wouldn't be going. You know what? I'm going to go to Dorchester, downtown yeah. Denver. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, just grab water, go up in your attic, wait. So sure, yeah. I'm going to assume you have a go bag or a bug out bag, Luke. Is this true? Sure. Yeah. You do. Okay. Now, if you need to grab this thing and go, does it have everything you need to 
pretty much survive in a somewhat wilderness or a total wilderness situation or even an urban situation? Uh, I, well, it depends on where I'm at. So if I'm overseas, my go bag is, is very different from my go bag here in the United States. Because so. it's stuff you can take on a plane. Well, yeah, I mean, no, but the like my go bag overseas has night vision goggles and hand grenades and, uh, you know, oh. extra ammunition and more forms of communication, signaling devices, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, so that's more of if I'm driving down the street and I get hit, I can bug out to, uh, you know, stronghold and fight off until reinforcements arrive or... If I'm actually flying or moving, you know, long distances, I'll have some sort of survival kit in there that would provide some sort of sustainment for a little bit of time. But again, it's going back to being able to move long distances. I always have pretty good amounts of water and, and some sort of like, uh, you know, power bar or power gel or something. Right. Something that allows me to actually move uh, to a point of safety. Yeah, um, it would be a pretty bad scene to be dehydrated. And have your legs cramping up, that yeah, kind of thing. Absolutely. You, I mean, you won't get further than five, five to ten miles if you're dehydrated. Um, so water is definitely a key, key component. Um, but here in the states, you know, in in my car, I, I actually carry a twenty-two long rifle, and um, uh, you know, I always have water in my car, and always have power bars and signal kits and first aid kit, and uh, trying to think. Of, actually, I carry a ham radio. Um, like it's a little hand crake, hand, hand radio. And, oh, wow. Yeah. I, so I, my, my, uh, survival or go back here in the States was actually driven after I read a book called one second after. And that was kind of not exactly the zombie apocalypse, but it's the, uh, uh the idea that an EFP goes off. So mm -hmm. there's a terrorist organization that launches an EFP. Um, and what that does is essentially cuts out every, anything in the united states that has a microchip in it and it's pretty crazy when you think about it because everything has a microchip so these days phone, it does yeah, for sure cell phone your cars don't work you know your tv doesn't work all the power goes out uh the refrigerator you know all, there's no refrigeration etc cetera, etc cetera. so everything just completely goes to a standstill everything turns into exact you know 100 percent chaos and after I read that book, I went into kind of like a freak out mode. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I kind of thought about, well, you know, if this was the case, what do I want to do? And, and essentially my first goal would be to get out of the city because a uh, city is always going to have chaos, whether it's filled with zombies or just human beings. And, you know, the absence of authority, people are going to act irrationally. That's essentially what happens in any society. You can see it in Afghanistan right now. Oh, yeah. Um, so with the absence of authority, you know, people are going to be out for their best interests. When people are out for their best interests, that's when they start stealing from each other. That's when they start killing each other. That's when they start diving into um, more primitive traits. Right. And so my goal would be to get out of the city, away from civilization, and into a place that has, again, good food, good water source, good protection, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I would want to have enough with me that could... You know, you could bring two liters of water, but it's be better if you bring two liters of water and iodine tablets or a pan that you can boil water into and ability to start fire and um, things that are going to provide more long-term sustainment than just getting away. Because just getting away is a Band-Aid. It's not a fix. Okay. Do those um, purification straws, those water pur purification things actually work? 
Uh, they do. I mean, there's some of the more expensive ones do, but again, it's you're going to run into a filter issue. They don't last forever type thing. I mean, okay. really the only thing that's going to work over time is always going to be boiling water. Yeah. yeah, that does seem to be the best idea. So um, bringing a pan with you and something to start a fire. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you don't want to find out that your bow drill skills aren't what you thought they were. No, definitely, mm, definitely yeah. not. I mean, lots of uh, lighters with extra gas and, yeah. you know, um, but eventually that's going to run out too. So you got to figure out, you got to learn how to make fire, bottom line. Yeah. Nine volt battery and some brillo pads there you go, <laughs> there you go. any any yeah. way that some fool is accidentally burned their house down <laughs> yeah. you just take that and use it on purpose <laughs> magnifying glass yeah oh yeah that's good that's always a good one and and here's the here's the the um kind of the focus of what we're talking about is that all of these things that plug into real things that might actually happen would plug in very nicely if there were suddenly a, an attack of uh zombies or vampires and sure. as, as will pointed out last episode maybe not ghosts because you know you can't <laughs> yeah really... i don't think ghost or or satan you know ghost or satan yeah those are the two you don't want to have to fight no but where i don't know how you stop a ghost well i had an idea for werewolves salt. yeah again um first thing to try is table salt because it might work uh, <laughs> true it also it does you know it's supposed to keep spirits out I know exactly where all of my silver coins are. So if there's ever a werewolf attack, I will take You're my handing sp- out dimes. I'm I'm gonna get a wrist rocket and just <laughs> let them have a dime. Is that what does it? Silver, silver, silver kills yeah. werewolves. Yeah. yeah, silver is like a, traditionally a, a symbol of purity. Got it. So it takes out vampires and werewolves. Yeah. See, there's there's your stick idea, right? I mean, yeah. Sharp, sharpen down a bar of uh, silver and yeah. Put it on the end of a stick. Yeah, if you could even hammer out a dime nice and wrap the end of the knife with it, just get the silver in there somehow. That's all you got to do. <laughs> and then do they disappear or like? How's the, it? Well, that varies. Yeah. Burn up. Exp- over and yeah. turn back into a person. And then you get accused of murder. Yeah. <laughs> so if you ever have to kill a fool, <laughs> just say, he "I swear he was a werewolf." <laughs> he fell on it. They didn't teach you werewolf and vampire stuff. In your training. No. We're yeah, they, they skipped some pretty major stuff. He's not going to admit that. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's classified. <laughs> so um, so uh, an avenue of escape is always a good idea. Absolutely. Okay. So funnel to a pinch point uh, and have a way to run away from them. Sure. Sure. I mean, so if, if you want to get really advantageous with it... Um, there is a there's an explosive called a dust initiator charge. Okay. And what a dust initiator charge is is essentially um, actually occurs in silos. So you know when a silo blows up, mm-hmm. right? What it is is it's a ample amount of dust particle or some sort of uh, combustible particle in the air, and that catches on fire really quickly and just completely d- essentially disintegrates everything. It ignites the air. Yep. Yeah, so um, it, what it does is actually takes all the air out of a room or, or area, and then it collapses that structure. But it only works on a structure. <clears throat> so, you know, if you could get everybody into some sort of large structure, and then, I mean, it wouldn't really take much. It could take uh, some sort of uh, hot-burning piece of... Uh, uh, 
I don't even know. We, I mean, there's so many different options out there, I guess. Anyways, that and then something that pushes all the dust into the air and then just ignite it quickly. And that's your dust initiator. Chars are actually extremely easy to, to create. Hmm. So, so that you go. one of those things we shouldn't talk about on the podcast no, no, in no, too no. much detail. No, well, no, I mean, the, you know, I mean, again, it happens in a silo. So the, the idea of the explosive is not, it's not classified. Right. Um, but I mean, how you'd actually make a, a really good one. Yes. That part's classified. So you have to get lots of bags of sawdust yeah. <laughs> from somewhere. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Ah, oh, the shop vac the old art store was oh, always yeah. like or there was a, a 55 gallon drum i remember trash can that was full of sawdust yeah mm-hmm. you just put the hose on on the other port <laughs> yeah and blow and that blast out. away there you go hey that's a great idea see that's a good one yeah you just need one of those really long kitchen matches <laughs> i noticed something that was um in a lot of these movies that we talk about group dynamics and individual personalities. And this is where there's a big advantage. The military is very trained to kind of have one mind about, you know, somebody's giving orders, everyone else is taking the orders. Sure. There's a common goal. Um, have you ever kind of dealt with somebody who is the loose cannon who is going to maybe endanger everybody? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure, all the time. That's, You're that's, not that guy, are you? No, <laughs> I, I hope not. Um, no, that's kind of military 101, though, is, you know, I mean, you always have some sergeant or officer typically an officer who's uh just a douchebag but because the way the army works he's been put in charge and tends to derail everything but i mean that's that happens in the workplace that happens that's how society's built up unfortunately Um, was that murphy's law yeah yeah get to the position immediately above your skill level and then you're (laughs) stuck yep yep exactly (laughs) go up or down so you fuck up everything <laughs> it's, it's a works. sideways path of destruction mm-hmm. yeah for us it's uh second lieutenants second lieutenants, second uh, lieutenants. yeah because i mean you know this guy went through four years of that. college yeah. and all of a sudden he's put into a position of power and he's mm-hmm. next to some guy who spent 15 years in the military and he's trying to tell this guy yeah you know, he's 22 years old and he's trying to tell this guy who's 35 with all this experience what to do and oh uh, yeah that never goes well no so what do you do when they start uh, making really bad decisions? What can you do? Um, well, if it's in the military, I mean, there's you can start trying to go up the chain and you know show that they're essentially creating issues. But in the military, it is very difficult. And a lot of times you just have to say yes, sir, and then try to figure out how to do what you were doing before, but just with this asshole officer in charge. <laughs> um, yeah, give it the appearance that you're doing what he wants you to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because you're not, you're not really allowed to jump the chain of command. Technically not. I mean, they, they do frown upon that, and they, they really don't want you to because that's, you know, unfortunately, if someone's truly bad, eventually they're probably going to get found out. But um, a lot of times... You know, they may have the appearance to their superiors that they are actually doing the right thing because we have what's called Spotlight Ranger, and that's the guy that, you know, when when the captain is walking by, he's doing everything he should. Right. And then as soon as he's out of, out of Spotlight, you know, he just goes back to being an absolute turd. Um, so he has the, you know, overall appearance of being a great officer, and so if you sit there and start dogging him, it could actually look negative to, negatively uh, upon yourself. So. Oh, that makes sense. That's why you frag your sergeant. 
But I mean, if it's a zombie piece, it's a mean, zombie. If yeah. he sucks, just get rid of him. Yeah. He was a werewolf. <laughs> we, he was a werewolf. <laughs> we had to kill him with silver, but he changed back. <laughs> you know, that's that's your answer for everything. It yeah. takes care of what you needed to do. And we should talk about. Have you seen Dog Soldiers, Julian? Mm-hmm. All right, that's an interesting one, and that that takes place in Scotland, if I remember yeah, correctly. It, there's like a army exercises up in the woods in Scotland, and there's like an army squad and. I think paratrooper squad but anyway there's a couple of squads up there and and uh, there's a what they don't know is there's this uh, clan of werewolves that are up in these woods and they they it's the the uh, the british ones end up hold up in a farmhouse don't they yeah, uh, yeah some sort of cabin or farmhouse right. yeah right. and yeah bad things ensue we don't <laughs> want to ruin worse. this one <laughs> it, sounds, it's actually, it sounds like the the local post exchange on base to be honest with you. <laughs> the werewolves are actually fat army wives and <laughs> oh man <laughs> it's just a squad of them coming out creating all kinds of issues and you can't kill them with a punchy stick either, either. No. silver has that no effect frowned upon. <laughs> so um now julian you have military experience you were, Very little. <laughs> how long you were in the, the three years in the navy? The royal is it the royal, royal navy? The royal navy, yes. <laughs> her her Majesty's royal navy. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, <laughs> I am totally ignorant to this. I don't even know. Like, yeah, we have crowns instead of berets. <laughs> wow, <laughs> beautiful ball gowns. Yeah, the ermine got so macky when, mm-hmm. when we're doing our yomping. Now, did did they ask you before you joined? Hey, can you swim, or did they just push you in the yeah, water? Yeah, well, you have to swim. Okay, they don't like go. All right, we're gonna have swimming class. Well, every, everyone in England has to. They go through swimming lessons in school. Oh, that, that because would there's probably. so many canals and rivers, and you're surrounded and, by water, and you're on an island. You're on islands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas New Mexico, it's, it's not required. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of our swimming opportunities had chlorine. In Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all we knew was your eyes would burn. And, uh, oh, well. So th- did they did they have uh, mandatory, like, uh, rifle training and all that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you got you it, got, you got so your basic stuff. It's just, uh, you had really old rifles, like Lee Enfield 2.2s <laughs> and 303s. That's World War Two era. And, uh, and the ones that, that, like, when you fire them, it feels like someone's kicking you in the shoulder as hard as they can. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that uh, the twenty two is sounding better all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that kicked less. Yeah, but yeah. it still wasn't pleasant. You you stuck your beret down there and oh yeah, it's held it as tight as you could. It's, that's why all the berets look really beat up. Took the bruising. Yeah, man. Now um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this one. Uh, I had a friend in high school who showed me this. Um, we had a, a twenty two pistol and uh, we just took some electrical tape. And he showed me this. He says, watch this. And he taped a two-liter bottle to the, to the end of... Silencer. And it was a makeshift silencer. You only get one shot, right? Mm. Yeah. And, uh, you I get, mean, that's a, quote, normal silencer, homemade like that. I think you only get one shot because you're shooting through foam rubber. Right. Something, the potato. <laughs> the potato silencer. I'd be worried about that causing the gun to just explode in my face. I, I don't know if I would trust yeah, the potato. Right through potato. Yeah. <laughs> was it the Godfather? It was Godfather Two, where where um, where young Vito, who was played by Robert De Niro, had the wrapped up towel around the gun. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was pretty cool, and it caught fire. I don't know if that would really happen, but and that yeah, that could happen. Yeah, yeah, or the shooting through a pillow. Or something. Yeah, that was pretty badass. Yeah, that was um, Fanucci was the guy that he killed. Right. Yeah, he waited till there was a nice noisy parade going on, and he just popped him and had to put the fire out. Mm. That was that was a pretty cool scene. Have you, have you seen Godfather Two? Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. That's a that's a good movie. It's uh, not as good as Godfather Three. Or meet, or, or meet the Fockers. <laughs> HBO, they recently showed the Godfather saga, which they show just about every year on BBC Two in England, where yeah. he edits together the first yeah. two Godfathers into this the, one they call long continuity. It's really yeah. good. They really call good. it the Godfather epic. Yeah, yeah I want to yeah. see that it's, at some point. It's a good edit. Yeah. Now, if I, if I could choose between the first one and the second one, I, I do believe the second one to be yeah. a better movie. And uh, it's so weird. Like De Niro was so good. What happened? What the hell happened? I've said this before. Zombies. <laughs> Zombies. It was a demonic possession. <laughs> now we can only make shitty movies. Ooh. It's just not fair. He should just be taking these really great roles. I don't know, man. So Luke, what is your favorite movie that involves um, action, explosions, and guns? Man. Um, so many fried green tomatoes <laughs> nailed it just took the words right out of my mouth driving this <laughs> Jessica Tandy gets that rocket launcher at the end <laughs> nailed it um, that's, I, I don't know uh, big fan of like Saving Private Ryan was a great movie yeah um, uh, Black Hawk Down was you know again another war movie but really well well done um Saving Private Ryan had the the great use of the sticky bomb. Yeah, I remember that was cool. That was solid. Yeah, yeah that that would that would actually work. That wasn't sure. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's it, actually in old uh, field manuals. They show you how to make that. That was pretty cool. Do you remember this? I don't remember that. Um, basically, you fill a sock with gunpowder, and uh, put a wick in it, and cover it with grease or whatever sticky oh, okay. stuff you have. They they derailed the tank track using that. Yeah, I remember that. Now. Yeah, I think I think they had TNT. Uh, uh, that sticks of TNT. So I'm not sure black powder would I quite think do it. Just burn. But oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Black powder has a really low uh, brisance, meaning it's it's not gonna it's not gonna really do much. Da- I mean, it'll do personal damage if you put black powder and ball bearings together. That's pretty pretty sweet. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, TN- TNT has a it's gonna have a higher brisance, meaning it's actually gonna destroy tank treads and things like that. Nice. The, when I was looking to the history of uh, like uh, well, when I was trying, I wasn't really researching. I was just thinking <laughs> of horror movies that that have like the siege of monsters, and you know, um, and the killer shrews. Kept kept thinking of that, and the director of that was Ray Kellogg, who you see his name as like a special effects guy in lots of big movies in the forties and fifties, like MGM things. This is like a really low budget film. Yeah, <laughs> but. Um, he went on to co-direct the Green Berets. Oh yeah, with, with John yeah. Wayne. Nice, great, great movie. Yeah. Great movie. That uh, I should have should have mentioned that. It's also <laughs> George Takei. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now is is it pretty accurate? It's been a long time since I've seen it, but in term, uh, what you see on the screen, is there anything too far fetched, or is no, it all pretty good? No, I mean, as actually, when I went through Special Forces selection, they made us sit down and watch the Green Berets. They're like, you will watch this movie. So they took a time. I mean, everybody fell asleep, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But it was, it was, uh, it, yeah. It's, I mean, as far as accurate, it's it it really covers kind of 
the pure purpose of what a green beret does i suppose mm. um but uh, another good movie was 13 warriors uh, okay or 13th warrior excuse me 13th warrior okay yeah and it kind of goes over uh i forget what that spanish guy's name is but um christopher antonio banderas that's who it is yeah, antonio banderas yeah so he's an arab and you know infiltrates the the viking society and learns their language and then learns their tactics and then you know fights alongside them against uh this enemy so that was that was kind of another required watch list for special forces very interesting um this this one just popped into my head while we were talking about, <laughs> earlier about the tank treads uh there is one episode of the walking dead where uh one of the characters um is leading a force which somehow they acquired an army tank and they lead this force to the gates of a prison where the other group is holed up and this is the big face off and they're telling him give it up we got we got a tank look at us you right. know we got all these guys with rifles and we got a guy with a tank and when when battle ensues um one of the one of the guys from inside the prison uh manages to throw a hand grenade down the tank barrel in into the tank no would that ever happen no no okay <laughs> tell us tell us the big the big flaw in that one <laughs> where, where, where does reality creep in on that one well <laughs> uh so i don't know what kind of hand grenade he threw down there i'm assuming it's like an m67 hand grenade which is the standard issue one which has a, a five second delay so that means that that had to have gone down the barrel long enough you know, you know f- faster than five seconds okay first of all if it, if it went off in the actual gun turret uh i mean that's not going to do anything to the turret it's not like it's going to blow the turret apart or anything like okay. that okay um, so that means it actually would have to get down to the breach and it would also mean that the breach would have had to been open. So, yeah, I mean, you're just, you're talking about some pretty like far fetched things there. Now, could it happen? Given perfect circumstances, yeah. it could. One in a million yeah. shot. But I mean, <laughs> them having a tank is unrealistic because <laughs> right. the tank, you know, the tanks break down all the time and trying to get a tank started is a pain in the ass. I remember <laughs> we, when we were in Iraq, we had a tank, um, uh i guess they call them a troop tank troop came out and uh these guys were all excited because they brought all these tanks out and these things you know i mean we were going to change the face of warfare warfare out in uh Nineveh province where we were and this and that and anyways they get out there and first of all they didn't have enough gasoline to actually start the tank because oh, like tanks take just massive amounts i forget what they said i think they said it some ungodly number like it takes like 80 gallons of gasoline just to start the damn thing i i mean don't quote me just on to that. prime it <laughs> yeah because apparently the engines are i think they use the same engine that's in a black hawk like it's i mean it's a big big engine now i'm sure wow. there's there's someone out there who spent time on tanks who's listening to this who's like no dude you're a douchebag you know what you're talking about but i just remember sitting there them telling me all these issues that they had once they actually got the tanks up there and then they didn't have a wrecker which is designed to actually get a tank out of a bad situation because you know tank you don't just like hook a humvee up to a tank and right pull it out of a ditch (laughs) so the first night they finally get it all fired up they had enough gasoline up there to actually get them going and uh, they drive it out the gate and there were these uh little side ditches where all the water went through 
and literally 50 meters outside the gate, they put it into the ditch. Oh. And we didn't have a wrecker, so we had no way to pull the tank out of the ditch. So we hired a local uh, crane <laughs> operator in town, and the crane <laughs> operator hooked up to the tank and then literally snapped the crane um. because the crane wasn't rated to pick up a tank. Yeah. Not so that then, much weight. No, so then the tank sat in this ditch for two days until they could get a wrecker up to pull the tank out of the ditch. So they had to pull security around the tank. I mean, it was just, it was an absolute abortion. So, you know, case in point, these dudes didn't have a tank to begin with, right? Like in, right. in The Walking Dead, it just doesn't work. They would have tried to crank it on. They'd be like, no, that's, that's not serviceable. Plus, it go. takes like 70 guys to push start a tank, right? The showrunners <laughs> of this series need to talk to Luke. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, who's your technical advisor? Yeah. What the hell is going on here? But here's the thing. It, it only fools 99% of the people when they do this shit on screen. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's certainly appealing to the masses i suppose now you've you've fired an rpg right yep okay what's your range on that to for accuracy um how far away can let's say there's a group of uh, bikers stopped on the road and uh you're approaching them and you see they're there and you know they're they're zombie bikers they're gonna want yeah well they could be (laughs) they want to do you harm and you hey i've got the rpg here Mm -hmm. um what's what's your safe range to where you could probably Hit them like bowling pins right in the middle and blow their asses up. Safe range from the the round exploding and hurting you or um, their their range. Firing so range. Fire firing. What's far and run away? Yeah. What's a good distance for you? Um, to be far enough away, but still know you're going to hit them. I would say probably seventy-five to hundred meters. Okay, so you could be a city block from them. Yeah, you'd probably be okay. I, I forget what the arming range is on an RPG. Um, I don't even know if there is an arming range on an RPG, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd say you, you could probably be uh, you could probably be as close as fifty meters, and as long as you have some amount of coverage, you'd be fine. Okay. So you you don't want to, you don't want to be out in the open when that when that explosion happens. Yeah, I mean it's it's honestly not as bad as you would think. It's not as bad. You know, hand grenades and RPGs and rockets and all that stuff aren't as bad as the movies make it out to be. You know, where like a guy throws a hand grenade into a camp of Viet Cong and the entire camp blows up. Like right. it doesn't. There's a fireball twice the size of God. Goes yeah, up. yeah, no, right. It's, it's nothing like that. I mean, it's it's a good boom, but it's really not as. Uh, it's, RPGs are, are more designed to be a puncturing round, meaning they hit metal, they hit walls, they hit et cetera, and they make holes. They're not really designed to make a big blast area. Okay. Yeah, you know, that that's not kind of their their entire purpose. All right. So Daryl is zero for two on his uh, on his action in the Walking Dead. <laughs> <laughs> just thought, I just thought we should just. Do a little reality check on that stuff. No, how, about, how about all those movies where everyone like slowly walks away from some big explosion? Don't you just wish some piece of shrapnel come flying out? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just that's just take a out one shock of wave alone. Idiots. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. We were actually uh, we we hit a house in uh, we hit a house in Iraq and we ended up finding four thousand pounds of uh, homemade explosives. And so I took all the explosives and I put it, this guy had three houses that we captured. So I took the explosives and I put it in the three houses. We found mortars and a dish gun, which is like an anti-aircraft gun and all wow. that stuff. Anyways, uh, this was the first hit that I went out on my first trip on a deployment. I found 4,000 pounds like jackpot, right? So anyways. <clears throat> I, Selfie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so 
I did all my little calculations of how far away we had to be from the explosive, you know, explosion, this and that. And uh, so I ended up blowing up all three of this guy's houses. And we were sitting there. I mean, everybody's hooting and hollering with this giant mushroom cloud and massive. <laughs> and all of a sudden, we had like pieces of building the size of an engine that were flying over our heads. And oh, we wow. Were, yeah, we were probably a good mile away. And Holy we had shit. Things flying over our head. I mean, we leveled, absolutely leveled all their telephone and, and power sources that were going. So, I mean, I like, I took out the power to probably two or three villages in that. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's, that's pretty crazy. And there's no, there's no real, uh, accurate way to calculate that one. Is there just in, uh, the, mean, in the field? Yeah. In the field, you're, cause you're on a time hack, you know, right. so it, it, you're, when I say 4,000 pounds of explosives, I essentially said, okay, there's one 50-pound sack of HME homemade explosives, uh, and you know there's X amount of sacks here plus the mortar. So it's it's real, real rudimentary, and you know, it, I mean, it worked. Everybody survived. We're, we're all right. okay. But it just kind of made me realize that you know, maybe step it back another half mile next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So so the engine-sized blocks of concrete have a wow. little. A little more distance to fall. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was filmed uh, cool. Thunderbolt, you know, because uh, like all the all the guys at the time would have been in the services. Um, so that the, at the climax of the movie, this, this the uh, the the villain's yacht gets blown up, and uh, so this was filmed in the Bahamas, and uh, so they said, "Oh, can you can you blow up this yacht?" So that's, all these guys really enthusiastically rigged up this yacht to blow up and. And uh, the explosion was so massive, it took out all the windows and the, all the islands around it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shit. Man. <laughs> so it ended up costing a right. lot more. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, I had a friend who hated uh, the movie Red Dawn because they filmed near his house. And he and his dad had spent the day before filming stacking up this big wood pile. And their explosions knocked their wood pile down. So he hated this movie for it because he spent all day stacking the wood. This time it's personal. Yeah, <laughs> that was filmed in Colorado. Uh, yeah, Colorado, northern Colorado, New Mexico. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> great movie. Great movie. Yeah. That's definitely not seen the, not seen the remake. That's no. terrible. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it would be any no, good. Yeah, they, they that was it. one of those that was very of that time and place. Yep. Yep, 100%. Who, who is in that? I can't remember. Oh, Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze um, That's right. What's his face? C. Thomas Howell. Yeah. Okay. Um, some of those cats. Isn't Charlie Sheen in that. Probably. Yeah. yeah. It, he, uh, Leah just, Thompson is in that, I think. Um, you're th- you've got a theory about Charlie Sheen. I do? <laughs> <laughs> about his name, his characters. Charlie, I think you're thinking of Tony Danza. That too. Uh, we're talking about actors who are so dumb that they they always have to have their characters named their actual name. <laughs> Tony Dance is the one I've played. Okay, I was thinking it was Charlie Sheen I don't because know they, if Charlie Sheen has done. He's played a lot of Charlies. Probably, you know, yeah. it came up because I watched a uh, I watched a film with Tony Dance and at the credits, there was a dog in the movie and the dog's name was like Tiny in the movie, but real life was bingo or whatever <laughs> and yet tony dances played a character named tony like a dog can learn mm-hmm. a different name for a movie but tony <laughs> dances yeah. couldn't samantha <laughs> oh man so uh 
is there anything we haven't covered as far as <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking to you, Jolien. Uh, what is it, surviving? Yeah. Monster attacks. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Are there any scenarios? Will can you think Godzilla? of any? Godzilla. Daleks. Well, yeah. Well, that you know falls under the umbrella of get the hell out of the city. Yes. Because actually, Jolien ran from Godzilla in the recent remake of Godzilla. Yes. He was really? one. He was one of the the um, lab coat dudes. Yeah, I, I figured like we were doomed anyway, but we we'd run, you know, just because you would, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No one would be cool enough just to stand there. Well, I'm so irradiated already. <laughs> I'm just gonna watch. Right. Or like the uh, the old couple in that movie Titanic that are just like, oh, we're just gonna lie in our bed and let the cold water come in. We did all these takes for, like, we did over twenty takes just for people running out of a factory and uh and they're they're saying oh you look really tired and i said no i'm playing really tired because i figure he's run up all these stairs and he's and then he's run all the way out to the front entrance and he would be tired yeah and he's he's wearing dress shoes and my shoes are killing me and uh yeah uh you know so he'd be tired and i'm fine but I think that's reasonable. I think they must have thought I was thinking it too much. <laughs> it's like, what's my character's motivation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we haven't we haven't covered giant monsters, but uh, you know, I would say you know, nuclear plants, giant monsters. Yeah, you're pretty screwed, really. Yeah, pretty much. If that if that scene goes down, that's that's yeah, it. You're not having any children. How about sure. Triffids? <laughs> triffids, yes. You've got to cover your eyes, and Triffids are. Uh, so they're they're another like a siege movie. Uh, Day of the Triffids was a novel f- from the early fifties, uh, where um, uh, there's a shower of meteorites and it's so spectacular that everyone watches it, but then they're blinded by it. And simultaneously, there's this uh, new they're developing these plants uh, for like f- for better feeding the population. Something like. And uh, these plants are like semi-intelligent, and uh, they, they they call them triffids. And uh, and so after this like apocalyptic event happens, these plants get free, and they become this dominant uh, life force on Earth because they can sniff out people, and they've got these stingers, and they and they're, they're kind of mobile. <laughs> they have got these stingers, and they can like whip people across the uh, face and poison them and. It's horrible. Uh, how, yeah. do you, how do they come up with shit like yeah. this? Does like, someone just get completely wrecked on LSD and start thinking of like the worst That's thing? That's a good possibility. <laughs> Some of this I think stuff. you only had a flamethrower to stop them. Yeah, in the movie he has a flamethrower and they eventually work out sword against them in the movie. Oh, yeah. But in the, in the novel. I've never they, read the novel. novel. they just chop them off. Oh. Stem. It's a good novel. Yeah, no. yeah. You, you, it's Wendell. such a it's such a weird yeah it's such a weird concept, but it, it makes it work because it's all set in this like yeah. mosaic British suburbia, and, it, and it feeds into always like a, in the in the in the sixties in, in Britain you had all these siege movies where people are on islands or or somewhere and some there's some alien invasion or whatever and uh, so you have a various social types and they all get stuck in one place and they have all these conflicts going on and then they get picked off. That's always the that's always the fun part. And what yeah. we talked about earlier is like, oh, you know, the, there's always that that one, you know, person in the group that screws it up for everybody or tries to, or, <laughs> you know, yeah, that guy, yeah, and uh, hopefully he's not the uh, 
what kind of lieutenant was that? Second, <laughs> second, second lieutenant. Second lieutenant, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'd, we'd say lieutenant. Huh? Le- you missed yes. that one. Oh, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> totally missed that opportunity. The lieutenant left in his Jaguar. <laughs> I don't know why we say that is weird. Lieutenant? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know why that. It's like colonel. And it doesn't even apply to every service. Yeah. No. <laughs> That's so weird. Yeah, this stuff is, you know, there's there's some origin story behind all of it. And you start finding these origin stories out, and it's like, that's just strange. Yeah. Like, why did that stick around? And then we just made up a new word for some other thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Colonel was, uh, it's an Italian pronunciation, but with a French spelling or vice versa. Oh, that's why we ended up with the impossible to spell <laughs> Col- Colonel. Colonel. Yeah. Colonel, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. No. But I had to go look it up. It was bothering me. <laughs> so, uh, so do you watch horror movies at all? If you're not forced to? No, no, not really. I mean, I think I was telling him the last uh, even semi-horror movie I saw was a Zombie Land. Okay. Um, but I think that's more of a comedy. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. Uh, sure. But it's got some good points to it, though. It's good. You know? I like the opening credits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're really gritty. I remember those looking really good. Yeah, I didn't like the rest of it. <laughs> all the comedy part yeah the credits are great where they're like running through the the actual credit text comes up and they're running through them and they bust them open and there's stuff. all these like tips on you know in the event of a zombie invasion get yeah. in front of the fat kid <laughs> i don't have to outrun the zombie i just have to outrun you yeah <laughs> and that applies to bears as well mm-hmm. we discovered that um yeah that i think that was kind of cool because um a couple of rules that that you follow in your training, Luke, would be uh, cardio, very important, right? Absolutely, sure. Double tap. I know that's an important thing. Uh, we actually don't we don't double tap anymore. That's <laughs> no, no, no. It's uh, make make a hole. You know, it's really kind of because they found that if you double tap somebody and you don't double tap them in the right place, you're just wasting ammo. Uh, you're not wasting ammo, but you're not necessarily. You might not be actually killing that person, and if they can fight back then you know there's still a threat so now they're more uh going to put half a magazine into that guy just make a hole oh okay oh. i thought you meant one shot i was gonna say why is one better than two no 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 i mean it's like, make know, a big hole make, make a big hole yeah because the ammunition shortage you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. not even the army can get 22 long <laughs> yeah, no, yeah no no i mean now it's uh you know because I mean, we kept teaching shoot twice and then we got into iraq and afghanistan with the 223 rifle which is actually a fairly uh it's a small caliber round doesn't do a whole lot of damage as you might expect i mean it, it, given the right spot it's going to do plenty of damage but if you're not hitting in the right spot they might have enough to, you'll kill them but it might not be right away so they can fight back so gotcha yeah. that one makes a lot of sense you know <laughs> um now Back to the getting yourself to an island or remote location. Sure. Uh, survival, survival tools. You've got your own already set aside. Um, if you were to tell somebody who had maybe 15, 20 minutes to grab everything they need out of the kitchen, the garage, whatever, throw it in a duffel bag and run, mm-hmm. what would you tell them to grab? Uh, Assuming that there's not a bunch of weapons. Um, just so, sur- surviving in the wild or on an island so i would say things to start fire with because uh you can do a lot once you get a start a fire started you can do a lot with that fire you can cook you can boil water you can signal you can 
keep warm you can do etc so fire is one of the key essentials of survival okay um i would say grab uh grab non-perishable foods you know if you can grab things that have high calories um that are going to last you a long time things like uh you know believe it or not like lard or fat is probably going to be pretty good because that's going to have really high calorie for a small amount of thing that you're going to bring with you you know don't don't grab rice cakes out of the pantry right um although they are light they are yeah i mean (laughs) unless you want to survive on a diet right Right. yeah um but uh yeah it's certainly something to cut with would be really important um cordage any sort of cordage that you can get whether it be you know shoelaces or rope or um, wire or anything like that that tends to be pretty good uh, i can tell you like when we went uh, off into survival school they gave us a canteen cup um, we got one poncho we were in a group but we got one poncho per could have been per person or maybe two people i can't remember uh, each guy got i think about 20 or 30 feet of uh, paracord um, we got a book of matches uh, a knife and that was it and with that, we were able to survive fairly easy for quite, not fairly easy, I mean, we were hungry, but the amount of things that you could do with just that little amount of stuff was actually pretty, pretty good. So again, you're going to want to grab things that more tools than packing, you know, you'd be better off to pack tools into your bag that are going to give you the ability to survive rather than pack a bag full of food that you're just going to eat and then run out. Right. So. Then when it's gone, it's gone. When it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. Right. Um, what is the um, what's the weight? Uh, what's the test of uh, paracord? Is it nine hundred pounds? Uh, five hundred and fifty pounds. Five fifty that you can hoist with that little string. That's what about an eighth of an inch diameter or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you got to make sure it's actual military grade five fifty cord because now it's become so popular that uh, there's about a billion different companies out there that are making paracord and some of it's not actually five fifty. Some of it's like two, I think two twenty or something like that. So. Ugh. So you, you'll know it's 550 if you ever pull back the sheath and there's a little red cord in the middle. Okay. That typically denotes that it's actual real 550 cord. Okay. And there's new um, filaments coming in like graphene and <clears throat> there's things that can lift 100 times their own weight. That's insane. Like spider web. Yeah. Well, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when graphene come, comes out, that's going to revolutionize everything. So lightweight and strong. The world's going to change yep. <laughs> again. <laughs> right. Cool. Well, um, I feel like we've covered a lot. Um, anything you want to add? I don't think so. No. Um, we haven't you... answered your ghost question. Yeah. What do you? Okay. Well, t- <laughs> I guess salt is the only thing. I don't know what else to do about it. You know, there there is one. There is one that I that I ghost thought ghost busting. I suppose. <laughs> There's one that I thought was pretty interesting. Um, I have a neighbor who has a security door on the front of her house and she lives right near here and uh, near her front door on some little side table or whatever. She's got a can of cheap hairspray and a lighter. Mm-hmm. And if she ever wants to make somebody go away, <laughs> who's not getting the hint, she will shoot a little fireball and let them know. <laughs> How do you feel about that as an improvised weapon? <laughs> have you ever heard of this one? Blow your own Does she handle. have a lot of cats? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I know she has a dog. Uh, but her idea is when there's some crackhead at your front door is to let him know, I will set you on fire. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that's more just showy than yeah. actual dangerous. Yeah. 
Well, no one wants to be set on fire. No. They used to, my uncle said when he was in college, people would come and they'd, uh, <clears throat> I don't remember what they would do. They basically slip like the nozzle for uh, lighter fluid under your door and squirt it and then knock on your door so when you walk up they'd light it on fire and get big flame when you got to the oh, door. Wow. Which, you know, sounded that's, like a lot of fun. That's a that's a great joke. Yeah. Any joke with fires. Fun. Fire makes everything better. But yeah, I think improvised flamethrower would, would be kind of a, you know, short distance be a good way to sure. set someone on fire. There's actually a company that just I can't remember the name of it, but they literally, it's a brand new company. They just came out with a legal flamethrower. And it, it actually shoots fire like 20 or 30 feet. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I follow them on, on uh, Instagram. But it's pretty badass, like five or 600 bucks. And you just put regular, uh, I, I want to say. Butane or propane or whatever. It could be butane, I'm not sure. But yeah, it's pretty badass that's cool right. so it, it would certainly outdo the, the hairspray you can mount it on your car yeah. and everything absolutely yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the um <coughs> the one interesting one that i remember seeing was uh, a friend of mine told me about this and i happened to find some youtube videos of people demonstrating these but uh 12 gauge rounds that are actually like fire thrower rounds interesting for a shotgun I don't know what yeah, i've never heard of that uh yeah. They had some cute name for it. I don't remember what it was, but it had some <laughs> bang bang, some some Roman god or some Greek god name cute, or something. A cute name. <laughs> yeah, pink, but it would shoot fire. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was adorable. These things shoot fire like twenty or thirty feet out of a twelve gauge, and I'm thinking that's got to be a bad idea on some level. <laughs> but then he, this friend of mine who told me about it, um, said they also make ones that shoot like little bearings that have wire in between them so you can really oh, mess man. somebody up like grape shot yeah, yeah but, but it's with wire wire that could wrap around things and just mess yeah, things it, up like in the old pirate days they had mm -hmm. chain shot oh yeah far two cannonballs with a chain between them. Oh, although yeah. if they didn't fire them at the same time <laughs> <laughs> that was a big problem that's why they stopped doing that <laughs> yeah that would that would make sense because if, if one cannonball takes off and the other doesn't it's just gonna wrap around yeah it's awful um yeah so that was that was a good one so luke um as far as bug out bags and and gear and whatnot you take with um this is a good time to mention that you have a company that makes stuff so I tell do. us about that uh, so it's a tactical gear company. It's called uh, RE Factor Tactical. And tell us what RE stands for. RE stands for the relative effectiveness of an explosive as it pertains to TNT. So it's basically how you quantify an explosive. Um, so when we were talking about brisance earlier, it's essentially saying how much ex brisance an explosive has. Sounds so elegant. It is, yeah. Um, like cooking term. Yeah. I was gonna say that sounds like a cooking term. Well, when you when you put a lot of brandy on it and set fire to it, it presents adds a layer of flavor to it. So okay, so re factor tactical mm -hmm. yes. com dot com. Yep. Okay, and uh, so we make a pretty wide selection of items, but we do make a lot of survival items. So we make um, we make what we call the operator band, but basically it's a uh, the idea behind it is you put it on your wrist, and uh, this band that goes on your wrist has 550 cord, it has P51 can opener, it has 80-pound uh, test fishing line, so it could also double as, you know, 
shelter, etc. It's got snare wire, um, so you could actually make a snare with it. It's got a fishing hook. It's got fire starting property, so it's got a ferrocerium rod. It's got a handcuff key built into it as well. Um, and so the whole idea behind it is essentially you put this thing on your wrist and you actually have quite a bit of things that you could survive with. That's awesome. With, yeah. with, vir with virtually no extra weight on your body, right? you've right. got a bunch of tools yep. ready, ready to rock. Yeah, exactly. And, and so. one method of escape. Yep, yep, if well, you need it. Yeah, depending on how you use them, maybe more than one method of escape. So the operator band, that's an awesome thing. Um, yeah, we've got uh, we've got these little survival cards as well that uh, they're essentially fit into your wallet, um, but you can pop uh, items out of it. So we've got like an arrowhead in there. It's made out of stainless steel. So we've got so it's a breakaway, it, like a die cut or a laser cut yep, yep, card exactly. with breakaway items on it. Yeah, it's got a saw and it's got an arrowhead. It's got tweezers and uh, sewing needles and um, uh, fishing fishing hooks bunch of other things and we make another one which is a lock pick set um so again you know the idea is that you could uh typically if you're in a survival situation you might have to break into a house to get provisions or um you know pick a lock of a gate that you're trying to get through or whatever um so it's just kind of a backup lock pick set cool yeah. and these are like as thin as a credit card yep or yeah. thinner yeah they'll, they'll all fit in your wallet size nice. exactly to it that's to cool a too card. wow yeah, yeah. Like, now check out your website right. <laughs> awesome stuff. and uh of course um one of the main focuses when you started the company was to make some better gear bags if i remember right is that true yeah so uh, oddly enough the company actually started off where uh i was uh, long story short i was in slovenia i i have a really bad addiction to bags um and uh i the slovenes had this bag that i loved um and i actually approached the company i want to try and figure out how to get this bag to the states because i thought it was a great bag they wanted to end up starting a company with me in the states importing bags um and once we got everything lined up this was before i knew anything about business um, I didn't actually sign proper business documents oh. and, and they screwed me over. Damn so, it. Oh. Yeah. So I ended up saying, you know what, stuff it, I'll start my own company. So I started my own company and the purpose was to actually build bags. But the problem is, is that um, I created the operator band and that was more going to be an accessory and it just took off. They did like a thing in Maxim Magazine about it and this and that. Oh, so, that's a good get right there. Yeah, it was good. But the first two years of the company was literally trying to figure out how to make operator bands in large-scale quantities um, and, you know and maintain a good product and not go to China and right. you know, all that stuff so um, so the company really started off designed to, to actually make and design bags but it sort of took a, another turn so now we're slowly getting back to bags and we're releasing some new products this year and um, so your main focus went immediately on the back burner yeah yeah. And, and I think it really speaks to your character that those guys in Slovenia um, still have uh, a business and a factory and uh, and uh, they're still breathing air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, uh, nothing accidentally blew up. No, no. <laughs> certainly no hard feelings. I mean, it was a good, very good lesson in business. You and know? you got it early. That's good. Yeah. Get that, yeah. get that shit out of the way. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah, you didn't leave a path of destruction. That's good. <laughs> so, um, are you focusing on any new products for the future that um, well, we don't want to give anything away that someone will steal, but you have sure. exciting stuff in mind? We do. Yeah. So we're working on some more bags this year. Um, we've got some more 
kind of field survival items. Um, we're designing a, a new blanket right now, which is odd, but it'll make more sense later on. And, right. Um, where yeah, we just came out, or we will come out with a couple small medical kits. Like we'll we'll have a medical kit that'll be coming out probably in the next week or two. And basically, what it is is it sits on the headrest of your car, and uh, the panels attached to the car, and then the medical kit itself is detachable. Um, and so you can fill it up. It's you know, I forget what it is exactly. I want to say it's six inches by six inches. But then there's also two slots on it for M4 magazines. Oh wow! And so the idea behind it is that if you wanted to, again bug out, you could just pull the handle on this, and you have medical and ammunition with you that you could take with you. Nice. Um, or it, you know where the M4 magazines go, you could also put you know a whole slew of other things. You could put knives and. Lighters and et cetera, et cetera. shoot some fool and then stitch them up. There you go. There you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> Why not? so over, I mean, it's, it, we, we designed it more for police officers who might be responding to an active shooter or, okay, yeah. you know, if uh, dignitary protection, if they get in the vehicle, you can say, you know, hey, sir, if we get hit and we have to get out of the car, I want you to pull this red handle and bring this with you. And that way he has a, a medical kit with him and he has extra ammunition that I could actually pull from. So, you know, now he's my little ammo bearer, if you will. Right. Um, so just kind of a backup. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a great invention. Thanks. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's a really good thing. And again, refactortactical.com. That's it. Yep. And, uh, listeners do go there, check it out. We have listeners all over the world. So, um, do you ship overseas? We do. Okay, yeah. good. So you ship all over the world and, uh, you have cool gear. Absolutely. That, that's good. So check them out. And some, Badass T-shirts too, uh, yeah, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> if I haven't printed a few myself, <laughs> and by a few, I think, I think all of them, <laughs> a few thousand, <laughs> and counting. Yeah, there's some really cool designs, and uh, got some hats and other gear. Yep. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. All right, well, um, good time to wrap it up. I think so. It was cool. A long episode. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, Again, we want to thank the Moonrays for our intro creature features at the top of the show. Check them out at themoon-rays.com or find the music on Amazon or iTunes. And please, listeners, if you get a chance to rate, review, and subscribe, um, that does help us get seen by other people who might want to listen to our show. And uh, Luke, thank you so much for your time. Thanks and, for having me. Appreciate and thank you for your service. Yes, very much. Um, thank, you. thank you. Yeah, Thanks. we do appreciate it. And. Thanks, uh, until next time, listeners, stay off the moors. <laughs> Goodbye.